What's up everyone, happy 2023. Uh, that sounds crazy to say. Uh, for you more mature folks, doesn't it seem like yesterday that we were worrying about Y2K and, and that the world was gonna end because our computers couldn't get the date right? Uh, now, you know, there are a million ways that the world could end that seem way more realistic than that. Anyway, I, I hope your holidays are good. Uh, if you're part of Grace Church, we're worshiping from home today. Hopefully you've gathered with, uh, with your family or some friends, maybe your life group to worship today. If you're by yourself, that's cool too. Uh, but uh, it, it, it could be that you joined us at Christmas at the Warner this year and, and you're ready to get a good solid spiritual jump start for the new year. Uh, maybe you just stumbled upon us uh, online today and however you're joining us, I'm glad that you're here. And we have some great resources as I begin here over at whoisgrace.com slash worship at home. Uh, there are some worship songs there, some discussion questions, some projects for you to do with your family, uh, some sample calendar planning resources, tons of good stuff there. Even uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, I, I'd encourage you to pause the video even and, and go over to a document titled How to Worship at Home and then just decide if you wanna add any other elements to your experience before you continue on with this message. Now, every year about 130 million Americans make New Year's resolutions. Uh, I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna eat better, I'm gonna stop procrastinating, take my wife on more dates, look at social media less, read books more, uh, whatever it may be. But do you know how many people actually follow through with those resolutions? 8%, 8% actually do what they set out to do. And it's why I think that what we're talking about today is so important. The title of my message is Controlling Your Calendar because I think it's one of the most spiritual things that you can do as we start a new year. I think it's the key to living a godly life. I think it's critical to following through with the things that you wanna do, more importantly, with who you want to become. Robert Banks, author of a book called All the Business of Life, he notes that while our society is rich in things, we're extremely poor in time. In fact, never before in human history has a society been so things rich and so time poor. You see, despite all our advances in technology, all the time-saving devices at our disposal, most people are still as exhausted as ever. Like one of the chronic complaints that I hear a lot is, I'm busy, I'm overscheduled, I have no wiggle room, no margin, not a moment to spare. We almost brag about it, don't we? Like it makes us feel kind of important. I'm, I'm much too busy to, to do such and such. It feeds something unhealthy in us. And, and the cost is actually severe. And on top of that, when people describe their too busy lives, that they almost make it sound like overscheduling is something that happened to them, like that they had no choice in the matter. It's not my fault, it's my boss's fault, it's my family's fault, it's my coach's fault. They, they truly believe that they're merely victims of the very responsibilities and commitments that they said yes to. But let me remind you today, you are the boss of your schedule. It is your responsibility to control your calendar. And you must, because you're much better as a person operating on full than you are operating on empty. When you live on full, like full of God, full of love, full of energy, you make your best decisions, you pray your best prayers, you love your family the best, you're, you're good with God and the world around you. But when you're on empty, you're dangerous. You make foolish decisions, you're distracted, you play it too safe, you're not present with your family or with God or with anyone else. So how do you live on full? Well, let me ask this basic question. Is your calendar really working for you? Now, there are some of you, like my wife Kim, who will say, well, I don't keep a calendar, so this doesn't apply to me. Listen, whether you keep an old-fashioned desk or wall calendar, whether you use your phone, whether you use Outlook, whether you keep a to-do list, or whether you just wake up every day and wing it, Every one of you goes through some process of deciding what you're gonna do next. 
how you're going to use the time allotted to you. And that applies to all of us. Paul said it in Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. He said, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What are the, the critical commands there in that passage? Well, they're all connected. Be careful, be wise, don't be foolish. About what? About how you use your time. See, the central call here is to make the most of your time. That phrase, make the most of, means literally to redeem or buy back the time so that you can understand God's will. I promise you that God's will is not to be so exhausted, it's not to be so overscheduled that you're depleted and angry all the time. James 4.14 says it this way. He says, you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And so he's, he's reminding us, time is short. Life is short. He compares our lives here on earth to a vapor, a fog that settles in during the morning hours. But as soon as the sun comes out, it vanishes. It's here one moment and gone the next. And James is saying, that's what our life is like. It's like a mist that, that appears briefly and then it's gone. And so we need wisdom in how to use our time because it's very short. You know, on average, you and I will have about 28,835 days. That's the lifespan of the, the average American, just over 78 years. I've hit almost 19,000 of my days, which means I'm, I'm well over halfway done with, with what I've got. And to put it in hourglass terms, the sand in the bottom is overtaking, has, has overtaken the sand in the top. I've got about 9,000 days left. To, to know and love my wife, to be a great influence on my kids, to, to make a mark on this world that really matters. If you're 24, like you have 20,000 days left, which sounds like a lot. The problem is you're gonna blink and you're gonna be 51 like me and you're gonna blink again and you'll be 72. Life is short. So I wanna get practical and I wanna talk about how to control your calendar. The first way is this, is to recognize the power your calendar has on the person you're becoming. Like some of you tuned into church today and, and you think, you know, we ought to be focusing on something more spiritually substantial than how we arrange our days. But listen, I agree with the quote I heard that, that says that the thoughtful and prayerful arrangement of your calendar is one of the holiest things that you can do. Look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 90, verse 10 and 12. He, he says, as for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years, yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. And here's the, here's the cry. So teach us to number our days, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. It's a prayer, and this prayer teaches us, to, to it's saying teach us to number our days. Show us how to put a number on them. Show us how to, to value the days that we've been given. God, show us how to think about our days, how to be intentional about our days. Why? So that we can develop wisdom in how to live them. You see, where the rubber meets the road for your life of, of wisdom, is where the Christian life is truly lived out, is how we spend our moments. And so your calendar really does determine your life. What you choose to do today is shaping who you'll become in the future, whether you know it or not. Drafting a new weekly or monthly schedule, numbering your days properly, can truly help you to write a whole new script for the next season of your life. You see, scheduling is far less about what I have to get done and far more about who I want to become. Your calendar plays a critical role in determining who you'll become as a person, as a Christ follower, as a family member, as a friend. So, so we have to recognize the power of our calendar. 
You may have heard of the famous author, John Grisham. John Grisham started out as an attorney and he hated his job. He, he actually wanted to write. And so instead of getting up as usual for the normal start time of, at his law firm, he just backed it up 60 minutes. He said, I'm gonna go to my desk. I'm gonna spend the first 60 minutes of my day writing one page a day, one page for the 60 minutes before I go to work. He started doing that and he kept doing that. And eventually he became one of the most pro prolific novelists of our day. The power of a word in his calendar, in this case, write for 60 minutes. It changed the trajectory of his life. My friend who, who was really new in his quest for faith, he had jumped into a class that I was teaching back in the day and he, it was a little more heavy uh, intellectually than he was ready for. Anyway, he, he came a couple of times and he was ready to quit and he said, I'm, I'm not sure that this is my deal. And I encouraged him to keep coming, to soak it in, to not worry so much about the homework, but just sit and learn. And he kept it on his calendar. Right there on Wednesday nights at 6.30, it said class for 13 weeks. When I baptized him almost a year later, I thought, I'm sure glad he kept that blocked off on his calendar. Think about it. One appointment like that, typed into your smartphone, 13 sessions. And his eternity changed, his family changed, every, every day of his life changed. How important is a commitment on a calendar? It's life-changing. I was talking not long ago with someone who told the story of being in a financial mess and he put three letters on his calendar, F-P-U. That's Financial Peace University, 12 sessions, 90 minutes. It changed his whole life. He, he said, I no longer wanna be the in-debt guy. That's always stressed out, always living with the weight of poor financial management. So I'm gonna get this on my calendar. It's the power of a purposeful schedule. It's the power of asking, who do I want to become, not just what is all the stuff I need to get done. And some of you have been addicted or, or hurt in the past. Please, just schedule a support group, a, a grief group, AA, NA, put it on your calendar. Some of you, you just need to put the word home on your calendar more often. You just need to be home more when your kids are young. Get it on your calendar. Maybe you're home a lot and everyone's sitting around on their devices and you actually need to get out more. You need to serve more. You need to do some good in the community more. Get to the Servery Saturday more. Get it on your calendar. Some of you need some people in your life who will be a good Christian influence, people who can pray with you and study with you and read the Bible with you, who, who are gonna hold you accountable. You need to get life group on your calendar. Maybe you're already a Christian, but your biblical literacy stinks. You don't have any confidence in your faith because you don't know the Bible like you want to. Get the next course on your calendar for the Grace Leadership Institute, GLI. Get it on your calendar. Some of you are in a dead-end job. And all you do is complain about it. Listen, it's time to put a night class or something on your calendar. Do something that's eventually gonna get your life on a different track. Or maybe it's the gym, it needs to get on your schedule. Who are you becoming? Instead of asking, what do I have to get done in the next 30 days? What if you asked a different question? What if you asked, who do I want to become in the next chapter of my life? The first step toward that in controlling your calendar is recognizing the power that your calendar has on the person that you're becoming. Here's the second principle. It's to plan around your priorities. When you only have a limited time, you have to get your priorities right. In his book, Simplify, Bill Hybels explained that an all too familiar occurrence. He says, how do most people plan their schedules? They grab their calendars and they start plugging in all their appointments, where they need to be and when to avoid losing their jobs or forgetting to pick up the kids at soccer field practice. Or, and, and then after they've accounted for everything, 
that they would get in trouble for forgetting to do, they squeeze in the next most urgent to-do items. And with any luck, there's still room then to fit in some sleep and a shower, maybe even a meal or two with the family. And at the end of a good day, if they've made all their appointments and crossed everything off their to-do list, they fall into bed and pray, God help me pull this off again tomorrow. But there's a better way. Like what if we didn't just let all the urgent stuff drive our schedules, but instead we let our priorities lead the way? What if you decided up front what your top values and priorities are in life and then let everything else fill in? Like a lot of people are scheduling around their urgencies rather than their priorities. Most people wouldn't admit that their leading value in life is to be the top salesman at their company for 10 years in a row, especially if it meant a failed marriage and wayward kids and dark and shriveled soul. But a lot of people are scheduled like that is the priority. They wouldn't say it, but the proof is in their calendar. What are your life's priorities? For me, there are four or five things that come immediately to the top. My first priority in life is to do my very best to know and love God. Like if that relationship is in place, all the other things are going to be in place. The second priority is to have a strong and lasting marriage. Third is to have a great family. I want to have kids who are happy and healthy and want to stay connected to our family long after they leave the house when they don't have to anymore. And the fourth priority is to do excellent and world-changing work. I want my job to matter. I want to do excellent ministry that really makes a difference in this world. Right now, those are my four top priorities. God, Kim, my kids, and my work. And priorities drive behavior. What you prioritize determines how you'll behave. And so if you don't know what your priorities are, you won't know how to arrange your life. And so, so maybe you resonated with my list. Maybe you said, yeah, that's, that's pretty similar to my top four. And so let's just talk about that. What does it mean to prioritize God in your life? Well, it means he's on your schedule. You, you can't say God is my priority and then never have time for him. That's craziness. We talk about finding your chair often around here. Your chair is a place where you can meet with God on a regular basis, read his word, talk with him in prayer, reflect on his promises and, 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 and his plan for your life but it needs to be on your schedule. You need a regular time and place to meet with God. Church is another one. If you have even the vaguest interest in becoming a more spirit-pumped-up follower of Jesus, someone who knows a little more, who lives out their faith a little bit more deeply, who has a little bit more clarity on God's direction in life, then gathering with a local church is certainly something that you should have on your calendar every week. I am truly amazed at the number of people who are still flipping coins every Sunday morning. Should we or shouldn't we? Like, do we have more important things this week? Guys, the, the time for flipping coins on Sunday mornings needs to be over. I, I, I like how the gospels say it about Jesus. It says in Luke 4.16, and on the Sabbath day, Jesus went to synagogue as was his custom as was his custom. It was on his calendar. Every week he gathered with other believers for worship. Make sure God is on your calendar. If marriage is a priority, it has to show up on your calendar. Like when I meet happily married couples, inevitably their schedule reflects time together. One of my marriage hero couples who taught our class for engaged people here at Grace for many years, their marriage has weathered some serious stuff. Do you know how? Regular and consistent time together. It's non-negotiable. Every week, date night for them. If something comes up, they switch it to a different night, but they don't miss. Make time to read books on marriage or watch a study together on marriage through Right Now Media. You know Right Now Media is a free service that we offer to all of our members at Grace. It's like, like Netflix, but with amazing Christian content. 
or read a book on marriage together. Like you're trying to do one of the most difficult things that there is to accomplish in this life. Stay together with a spouse, a thing that 50% of people fail at. And if you're not making time in your schedule to work on that, you're crazy. Some of you need to add family time to your work calendar. Like block it out first each week. That's the non-negotiable. Start with the priorities and say, these number of nights this week, I'm going to be home. And then you can fill in around that. And listen, if your marriage or your family or your personal life is struggling, let me just ask, how vital are any of those things to the well-being of your life? Would you have courage to get out your calendar for the next 10 weeks, write down one word, counseling or life group? Like for some of you, that would change the game. You get the picture. The only way that those four things are going to be a priority in my life is if they're a priority on my schedule. There's no other way to slice it. But when we come at life with a victim mentality, as if our calendar is something that is being imposed on us, it's happening to us by the world, we will never get this right. There's a demonstration that I think originated with Stephen Covey that's been used many times to illustrate the need to have our top priorities in, in place first. I've used it before. He fills a, a vase with sand and smaller rocks first, and then he tries to get these big rocks in at the end, and they don't fit. But when you put the big rocks in first, everything fits. You can check it out over the resource page I mentioned earlier, but the point is that you need to plan around your priorities. If you try to squeeze them in at the end after all your urgencies are accomplished, they're never going to fit. So we said if you want to control your calendar, first you need to recognize the power your calendar has on, on the person you're becoming. Second, you need to plan around your priorities. And the final principle is this, is to choose where to cheat. There was a news story from right here in Pennsylvania last year where two people at a chocolate factory fell in to one of the huge vats of liquid chocolate and they had to be rescued. And it put a new and funny spin on an old prayer that I used to pray. I imagined them praying in that big vat of chocolate, Lord, may my capacity be equal to my opportunity. <laughs> but here's the thing, it never is. The capacity within us is never equal to the opportunity around us. The truth is, you can't do it all. You can't seize every moment. Heck, you can't even answer every email. You can't go to every wedding. You can't champion every cause. Your kids can't be involved in every sport. Parents, listen, they can't. There are times you simply need to say no. You only have so much time, so you have to cheat somewhere. Make sure your top priorities are the things getting done. Sometimes the most important part of your calendar is all the stuff that, that you intentionally didn't put on there. A lot of us are tempted to cheat our priorities, to cheat our families, because we think, well, they're going to understand that they're gonna always be there. So we stay way too late at work. We take on extra projects and we accept too many social invitations and we spend time with other people instead of our own families. This is the wrong strategy. Let me tell you where I've chosen to cheat over the years. I cheat at golf. Some of you are like, yeah, me too. No, not like that. <laughs> but for many a summer now, I, I was in golf leagues and I did golf outings. I decided almost a decade ago, I can't do that. I can't afford the time. I cheat at wedding receptions, much to some of your chagrin. Grace is a big place. I used to do so many weddings and get so many invitations to wedding receptions that I just had to make a call some years back that I can't do them. I could spend every afternoon and every evening through the entire summer at other people's parties. And some people are mad at me about it, but I, I can't please everyone, so I choose to cheat in that area. I cheat by choosing not to control everything that happens at Grace. 
Like I could be at team meetings every night of the week for this ministry or that ministry. I gave up trying to control and micromanage everything years ago. And some stuff doesn't happen just how I want it to happen these days. And that's okay because the payoff isn't worth it. In fact, people will ask me about this all the time. They'll say, hey, what's the detail about this or that upcoming event happening at Grace? I've learned to say, I'm gonna have to connect you with somebody who can give you some answers because I, I care deeply about what happens here. I just don't control very much of it anymore because I'm choosing to cheat. I'm choosing to put the word home on my calendar most evenings. So, so I'd ask you, where are you gonna cheat? Some of you need to cheat on your yard. Like just choose to have a crappy yard so that you can tend to your family or choose to not have the best Christmas display. Just declare the Joneses the winners this year, once and for all, actually. Or is there a hobby that you're hanging on to that's taking you away from your priorities? Have you been involved in an organization for years and it's time to say, you know what, somebody else can do that for a while. Maybe you've been taking on side gigs and getting some extra cash, but when you really look at it, what it's costing you in your priority areas, the cost is just too high. I'll reiterate, it's important to identify your values and your priorities so you don't cheat the wrong things. My son Chase is quite a kid. He's a free spirit, always has been. He walks to the beat of his own drum. He turned 21 this year. He's all grown up. He's doing his thing. He's a great kid. He had a rough patch during his college years a couple years ago. It was COVID, and, and, and honestly, what they put these kids through was, was horrendous. But again, a different sermon. I've been, I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't been a perfect dad to Chase. Far from it. But communication lines have always been open. He had a rough stretch, and immediately he called. And we talked it out, and he got onto some solutions. He's in a really great spot. I was reading back through one of my sermons the other day and an illustration that I wrote from way back when, when Chase was nine. I was laying on his bed as I did every night. We'd done some reading. I, re I would read while he scratched my back. It was a little arrangement we had negotiated. <laughs> and, and, and this night we were just talking and his crazy inquisitive questions led to some more serious questions. And he would ask and I would answer and then I'd ask and he'd answer and we'd go back and forth like that. We covered life and love and God and the state of his little heart in no particular order. As he was starting to breathe a little heavy and slower, I put my arm over on him. I started to pray over him. And when I finished, he was asleep. And I remember thinking, I'm so glad I wasn't traveling somewhere tonight. I'm glad I wasn't meeting with a board tonight. I'm so glad I wasn't running around here to try to solve the world's problems tonight. Tonight, this kid... This kid needed a dad, and I'm the only dad he's got. I'm glad home was on my calendar that night because he's 21 now, and I'm still the only one he's got. There's a couple of next steps I want you to consider from this message. As we look ahead, will you do something? Will you answer this question? What are my priorities in 2023? Like, where do you need to cheat in order to make sure those priorities happen? The thoughtful and prayerful arrangement of your calendar is one of the holiest things that you can do in this new year. Figure out your priorities. The second is to check out the resources over at whoisgrace.com slash worship at home. Again, there are some sample calendars there, sample spiritual practices there for you to incorporate into your schedule in this new year. So I'm praying for all of you for an amazing year ahead. God bless you guys.